We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sean, mailbag time. Mailbag time. Let's do it. We have 13 questions queued. If you want to keep throwing them in there, please feel free to do so. Want to start with this one, Sean, because we got a super chat. Super chat to start the day for Matt uh, Coffin. I think that's how you pronounce it, Matt. If I butcher that last name, please let me know, and I will make sure not to do it again. It says, and thank you so much for the super chat. Good thing Notre Dame has a smart, uh, smart recruits, and they know this offensive coordinator is going to be gone at the end of the year. It seems like only one person that can't read the room is Tommy. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna get back on the Tommy train here, Sean. Uh, again, it's a uh, it's a super chat, so I'm gonna put it up because we respect it so much. Um, look, man, Matt, we uh, and I appreciate it again. We talked a lot about the Tommy Reese stuff on the uh, post game show. I think everyone's feelings are pretty much out in in the universe at this point. Notre Dame recruits, and I'll say this, and I'll kick it over to Sean for any thoughts that he wants to throw out there. Notre Dame recruits, I think they have a, like, coaching matters, right? Like, their relationship with the coaches, I should say. Like, that stuff matters. There's no doubt about it. But when you're committing to a place like Notre Dame, there's also the other layer of, like, hey, what can Notre Dame provide for me, right? Like, what the full scope, academics, faith, all that good stuff, right? So there's a lot of different reasons that players pick the University of Notre Dame, but I, I do agree to the simple fact of like, hey, a coaching change, if it did happen, would be very unfortunate for some in the class, right? Because it is a relationship part of the business. Yeah. But I do think that most players that commit to Notre Dame, Sean, do it for a lot of other reasons other than just one coach. I'll just put it that way, right? So, yeah. Yeah, and then you look at the position on the offensive side of the ball. Heck, the wide, the wide receivers that we mentioned that are in the class with a possible fourth in Tayshawn Lyons, they know what the offense is. They knew what the offense was when they committed. Mm-hmm. The running backs and the tight ends and the offensive linemen, offensively, heck, this offense is, is wonderful for them. So we're really only talking about one position group that can really kind of look at the offense and kind of frown upon it. And they're locked in, you know, and I don't think 
at that point with everything that Notre Dame kind of like represents for a young man, you might have one that might feel a certain way if there's something was to happen. Yeah. But other than that, Ryan, you said it perfectly. Notre Dame is bigger than that. And I think yeah. a lot of these commits decided on Notre Dame for more than just strictly football. Yeah, it's – I mean, because it matters, right? Like, it matters. Yeah. If, if yeah. Tommy Roos did – was out at some point or after the season or whatever, like, it would matter to a lot of recruits. Like, we're not going to sit here and say, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. My whole point is, and I know you were kind of reiterating it, Sean, too, is that if if a change like that would happen, there's – I think there's a general understanding of, like, hey, could a decommitment happen? Sure. Could multiple players – who knows? Maybe – but yeah. like again, most most players, and you heard from Shonda Gray, right? If Shonda Gray, Shonda Gray, I think kind of portrayed it perfectly, right? It's the fact of like, hey, there's a lot of different layers to recruiting, right? Like, there's a lot of different things that matter, and I feel like most kids that do pick Notre Dame ultimately, yeah, understand that is yeah. the only thing I'm saying, right? Like, they understand that all those things matter together, so. Yeah, just putting that out again in the universe because I think it's a great conversation piece. Again, Matt, thank you so much for the super chat. Really do appreciate it, sir. Really do appreciate it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. All right, Sean, we're going to go to Quinn Kibler next. He says, mailbag. Thank you, Quinn, for the question. Be Ryan, Ryan slash Sean, Cyan, or do you like Ron better? What's our name going to be together, Sean? It's not, it can't be Be Ryan. Do you want to, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll think about it next for next show. Do you guys think that we will see a similar quarterback commit shuffle at the end of the year with fired coaches like last year? Guys like Brown and Evers who decide to go elsewhere after coaching changes. So, I mean, I think it's possible, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it, it really depends what jobs come open, what the circumstances are. But in the world as it is today in recruiting, coach changes can make a shuffle, I think. Sure. 
that goes without saying. But even bigger than that is just the opportunity to go play somewhere else. The transfer portal is always hot and lit. <laughs> no coaching changes or not. The transfer portal because kids want to be able to play and they can go make the decision and immediately play at their next destination. Mm-hmm. That's really what's at the forefront of everything. And then, of course, the you know, coaching hires, you know, whether it's a certain coach that coached them going to another uh, school and they want to follow that coach or their coach no longer being there at the program, they want to go somewhere else. It definitely has an influence. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about being real, right? Like it's about yeah. being real too, because I mean, especially with the transfer portal, the way it is now, yeah. like people are just going to leave all the time because of coaches at times, like it's going to yeah. happen. But I mean, yeah, again, I mean, can it cause some movement Quinn? Of course it can. Yeah. I mean, it just, it matters. I mean, cause like right now we have what the five vacancies that we've talked about. Right. And in those five situations, not a ton of desirable, like flippable quarterbacks, right? But yeah. could another job open up where you're like, oh, wow, that guy, kid's a diamond in the rough. That kid, does a coach leave for a bigger job? Does a coach leave for the NFL? Does a, like, there's a lot of different circumstances that could lead to that exodus at, at the quarterback position. So, yeah. interesting question. Again, always can happen. Yes, it can happen. So, thank you, Quinn. Appreciate it again. All right, going to go to Marcel here, Sean. So, what up, y'all? What updates can you all give us about the about 2023 quarterbacks? And is there any truth about Marcus Freeman once wanted to bring David Cutcliffe in as an offensive analyst? Uh, we're going to skip the second part because I don't know. I'm not really sure. That's something that maybe Brian can hit on tomorrow. I'm sure he would probably have a better understanding of like if that's factual or whatever. I personally don't know. There's a lot of things that get thrown out there in twi- on Twitter and just in the media in general that's clickbaity stuff. I don't know if that's true. I don't. I don't. Would it be wise? I mean, like, yeah, sure. I mean, like, why wouldn't you want David Cutcliffe on your staff? But, like, I genuinely do not know Marcel if that is true. Don't know. What updates can you give us in 2023 quarterbacks? Sean, I'll say this, and this is a slight tease to everyone. I have seen a list of a few different quarterbacks that Notre Dame is now targeting. We got that about a week and a half ago. Not going to put it out in the universe because we don't know what quarterbacks are going to be interested, but the fact of the matter is is that the board is about to expand or it is going or it has expanded i should say so we will have some more intel as far as what quarterbacks you should be keeping an eye on but i do know i've seen the names i have seen a little film on some of them we are not allowed to disclose it to the public yet but there are names that have been thrown out there in the quarterback conversation they're still keeping in contact with the avery johnsons of the world the kenny minchies of the world they're still doing that but i'm saying that they're it's expanding a little bit just because you have to get a quarterback in the class, right? Like you have to, in my opinion. So there, we'll have some update. And again, Marcel, the first place that you'll get that is at boardsideirishbreakdown.com. As soon as we can disclose that information, sir, we will disclose that information. I promise to you. This light is killing me in here today, by the way. I am about to just turn this thing off in a second. So, John, I'm going to do that, actually. So I'm going to uh, kick that one to Marcel. Again, thank you for the question. I'm going to hit this one and throw it to you first. So, Salty Virginia Peanut says, the recruits see poor performances by players at their position as a negative or a positive. They may play sooner, question mark. So, negative or positive, Sean, for negative performances at the position you play? I mean, generally speaking, um, recruits like seeing successful players at the position they're going to be playing because it deals with development. Now, you don't want to watch a team or a player that's playing the position that you play and you see them struggling. Right, because it makes you question, like, yo, what's going on with the development and the coaching? 
right? Most kids want to come in and compete, but most kids don't just want don't want to walk into situations where things are just handed to them. That's just naturally. But you get a great kid like Peyton Bowen, who is watching these games and without question, or a kid like, you know, Jaden Greyhouse. With the mindsets they have, they're absolutely watching these Notre Dame games, saying to themselves, yeah, I can play immediately. I can play. So it goes both ways, and it's based upon the individual. But I think for most guys, they want to go to places and they make the decision to go to places because at that position, they trust the coaches, they trust the development, and you know, guys that are already there playing well kind of confirms that decision, right? And, I mean, of course, if you commit to a place and you see a player struggling at that position, yes, you feel good about going there and having the opportunity to play early, which I don't care who you talk to, every recruit wants the opportunity to play early. Every single one. Like, no one's telling a recruit, look, son, we're going to bring you in, let Matt Bayless just work on you a little bit. You have no shot to do anything your first year. That might be the way they feel, but I don't think that's the part of your pitch to get a kid to commit to your program, right? So a great example of that, because there are always circumstances that are outliers in recruiting, right? Yep. Uh, take a Mill Wagner. Yep. He's an outlier. Like, that's a kid that you can tell him pretty much, kid, you can be a first-round left tackle if you just let us take a year, build you up, get you ready. By the time you're a sophomore, you'll be ready to roll. Mm -hmm. And we can get you to the next level at this position. That's an outlier, right? Because as athletic as he was, he could have come in at a tight end and been in the tight end room, but they saw more and they said, yo, we can get you, get you to this level. And he bought in. So you have outliers like that, but for the most part, in my opinion, you know, I don't think recruits, I think for me, recruits would much rather see players playing well at their position so that they can feel good about the coaching and the development. Right. Yeah. It's the reason why players choose Alabama, Ohio State. There's a reason why kids go there. Because because they know where it's going to take them. Right. Like they yeah. know they know the trajectory. Right. I mean, Absolutely. I always thought about this with linebackers at, at Alabama there for a little bit. Right. Because they had a great string of it. It was yeah. like Ruben Foster was a first round pick. He didn't play. He didn't start until his junior year. <laughs> you know, like Reggie yeah. Ragland didn't play until yeah. his junior year. Yeah. Play in the NFL for a little bit. Like yeah. these programs that recruit at this high of a level. Some of these players aren't going to be instant guys. Like, there's always going to be those outliers. I mean, like, yeah. you know, like there's always going to be the, the you know, the Calvin Ridleys that come into Alabama and start mm-hmm. day one, right? Like, it's always going to be those types of guys. But there, more often than not, a lot of these guys are guys that kind of get, you know, pulled along at a, at a slower pace and and to, you know, not kind of, it's not a sink or swim at some of the bigger programs that recruit right. at that high of a level. Usually there's always going to be players that play early because they're that talented. No doubt. Salty for, to your question for me to just add on a little bit. So I know you mentioned Peyton Bowen briefly, but Peyton Bowen has talked openly about like, Hey, playing time means 
a decent amount to me, right? Like I want an opportunity to play early. Like I want an opportunity to compete. And for a lot of kids, they see the same thing, man. And especially with how the transfer portal is now, going back to that for a second. Some guys, if they don't get an, a legit opportunity to play early or they don't get what they de- think they deserve early, you know, individually, they will take that opportunity out because playing means a lot to them, as it should. Like I, I want every player to come in and be like, yeah, I'm the dude. I can play. Like, I want everyone to think that for sure. Well, Let's be honest, right? You're talking about Peyton Bowen and Jake Greathouse. Yep. It wouldn't matter who was in the room when they showed up. Mm-hmm. They think they're better. They they have a dog mentality. They're like, yo, I don't care who I have to compete against. I'm one of the best in this room. Like, people can sit back and say, oh, well, you know, he has more of a chance to play at Notre Dame because of this. He would have a great chance to play if he went to Alabama. He would have a great chance to play early if he went to Ohio State. Like with a talent like that, <laughs> he throw any college out there. Peyton Bowen's going to have a chance to play. Doesn't matter where he chooses: Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Doesn't matter where he goes. It's a good chance that he's going to be on the field early as a freshman. Same thing with Jaden Greyhouse. Same exact thing. Just because of the players they are. So. You know, guys like that, it it doesn't matter. Like you said, he's talked about playing early, and one of the things he said about Notre Dame is that he knows that he can go in and play early at Notre Dame. Yep, yep, to your point. And I love Salty's question because there's a lot of nuance to it, right? As for, like, what's in front of you, the poor performance by – and there's the other thing of, like, Sean, do they know how to use me right, right? Will I be productive in the role? Like, that's another big content – that's another big talking point. Like I know people talk about the wide receiver position a lot. It's like, why would a wide receiver want to come right now if they're not getting anything out of Lorenzo Styles? And like, okay, I hear you, man. I hear you. I get it. But there's what like I'll say this that I think it's a pretty consistent thing across the 2023 class from everyone that I've had a deep conversation with and that I've gotten to know really well, which is basically everyone at this point. A lot of these players, and you mentioned Jaden Greathouse. I'm gonna use him as an example. Mm-hmm. No matter what's in front of him, he thinks that he is going to be better than that, right? Yeah. Like he has a confidence to him yeah. where he's going to come in and he is going to be a dog. He doesn't yeah. care what's in front of him. He doesn't care what, what circumstances in front of him. He's a dog, man. Like he is. He's going to come in and he's just – he thinks that he's going to change things, right? And I think that that is a growth mentality. These guys, a lot of them, think that they are the missing link. They think that they are the change that is going to get Notre Dame back to the top of the mountain that they should yeah. be at, right? Yeah. That's what Jaden believes. That's what Peyton Bowen believes. That's what a lot of these guys, that's what, you know, go to the 2024 class. That's what Cam Williams believes. That's what yeah. CJ Carr believes. Like, they don't care what's in front of them, man. They care about what they call about. They care about what they're bringing to the table. They right. can care less about what who's not producing, who is producing. They think they will. Like, that's yeah. different, right? Like, that's the thing. Not everyone's like that. Like there's some guys that are going to look at it differently, but I'm yeah. just saying for the most part of the guys that I've talked to, they have a growth mindset. They ha- they know what the coaches are telling them about what they'll do, but more importantly, they think they'll do it, right? Like they think they'll change it. They yeah. think they are the reason that it's going to make the, the change happen. The yeah. 2023 class, think big, right? Think right. big. They think that they are the change. Yes. And that's different. It's different. And it's yeah. exciting. And yeah. it's unique, and it's yeah. it's awesome, man. 
It's awesome. That's why they're not as frustrated as we are as the fan base with three and three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're not frustrated. No. They're like, oh, okay. Let's go. Wait, wait till we get there. Think big. We're the reason. And that's a great starting point for this class. Absolutely amazing starting point for this class. It's another thing to think about. How does the coaching change, right? Uh, what do you do if you get a talent like Peyton Bowen running a 4-2 at safety and you have him at free safety? Do you go single high more? Do you stay back in the cover two or the two deep? Like when you get that type of talent, it not only impacts the players and the players around them, it impacts the coaching. Like as a coach, like I said, Ryan, you, as a coach, you get a 4-2 safety that can play center, center field. Huh. Huh. I'm, and with Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey in their second year, you think I'm not being more aggressive? You, you think I'm not dialing up a little bit more man-to-man? Like, heck I yeah. So. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it changes everything. Jaden Greathouse, you think, wait, huh. who do you think on fourth and eight, who are we going to? You get a dog mentality like Jaden Greathouse? I don't care if he is a freshman. Hey, I'm trying to find that dude. Yeah. I'm trying to find that dude. Because it's, he wants the ball in this situation. You could just hear it with Jaden, man. And again, in this in this thing that I'm putting out in this, this article, Sean, Jaden literally said, Brian asked him, what, what 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 where do they see you at Notre Dame? You know, like he's talking about like positionally, right? Like, are you a Z? Are you an X? Or what? Where yeah. are you? Right, W. Yeah. Where are you? And he said, uh, they see me as a receiver. I can move everywhere and just get me the ball. And I'm yeah. like, yes, that's it, man. That's it. That's a kid that doesn't care where you put him, man. That's that's a kid. Like that's and that's what they need. I mentioned Drake Bowen earlier, right? They Notre Dame needs those types of kids that believe in themselves and believe in the program and believe in this class, all right? There's going to be a lot of doubters. There's going to be a lot of adversity that's going to hit. All that stuff's going to come, man, and it's already coming. But all I know is that this class, 2023, that's ranked in the top three across every recruiting platform and still has a chance to grow because there's still a lot of spots still open. Or not a lot of spots. There's still spots open, though. I'm going to still feel optimistic about it, man. Is Marcus Freeman the guy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know. Is this coaching staff going to change it? I don't know. But what I know is that they are targeting players that believe in it, right? And that is half the battle. That's half of it. So I'm still excited as an Dame fan for a second, taking the analyst hat off. I'm still excited about it because I had the fortune of talking to a lot of these players, right? I have the fortune of talking to them and hearing what their belief is, what they see of themselves, and where they think this thing is going. You talk to Drake Bowen, and it's like, we're gonna be good, man. We're gonna be yeah. good. Like we're we're good. Did I want to win? Did I want the team to win on Saturday? Of course I did, but it didn't happen. But you know what? Like I still love Coach Freeman, and I still believe in it. Believe in it. The belief is the is the part that a lot of people have a hard time buying in. And could could them not playing well hurt that belief in some people? For sure, for sure. Yeah. Not saying that. Not saying that. Because you heard, you heard me on the post game show. I was down in the dumps, man. I'm so down in the dumps on the team right now, man. Like it's not good right now. It's not. 
But you, for things to change, you need people that believe, right? Like for things to change, you need that belief. And Notre Dame has guys that believe. So we'll see how it works out. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think they're going to get it turned around. I do. I do. And I, I, I truly think that there's a lot of people in the 2023 class for Notre Dame that aren't worried about what's happening right now. They're worried about what's going to happen. And it's refreshing. It's, re- it's refreshing, man. So, yeah. Great question, though, Salty. Thank you. Man, Sean, we went on a tangent on that one, man. I thought that was going to be like a minute conversation. But that went a little yeah. long. It's good. Good question. I, yeah, that was a great question. Bailey Brad said, I think that the Cam Williams pickup has been underrated on on three. And I'm going to go to you on this one, Sean. On three updates, him to a borderline five-star. So huge to get him on board early. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Same bias, right? There's bias always geographically when it comes to certain positions. Skill positions. A lot of skilled position players from the Midwest, whether it's Illinois, it just won't get that love, right? But recently there's been a spike. You've had two wide receivers go to Ohio State out of the state of Illinois. Uh, you got Cam Williams committed in 24. Carnell Tate, of course, going to Ohio State, uh, originally from Illinois. So the track record is there. You have A.J. Henning, who was kind of like a, a duo kid who played running back wide receiver. out of of Illinois, up in Michigan. So now maybe, you know, the skill position players in the state will start to get a little bit more respect. But I think from a recruiting service standpoint, there's always going to be a geographic bias towards, you know, wide receiver, running back in those positions because they just expect more explosiveness from players that come from Florida, Georgia, California, and other areas. So, you know, it's par for the course. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny, Sean, is that when, when Notre Dame, well, not even when they offered Cam, when, when Cam committed, I thought, you know, good football player, man, like good, smooth player. And then I heard that he ran four, four something at a Notre Dame camp. Right. And I'm like, I didn't really see four, four on film. And then you see his junior film. You're like, Oh, that happened in the off season. That's where the, that's where the speed is now. Right. So it's, uh, I love it, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love talking about this stuff because Cam Williams deserves everything that he is getting right now because he is dominating, dominating the level of competition in Illinois right now. So shout out to Cam. I know he has watched the show at points. So if you're listening to Cam, shout out to you, sir. You're out. You're having a great season. Archer said, Ryan and Sean, who is the Drake Bowen guy for 2024? That meaning who's the leader, Sean? Who's a guy that you can lean on in that regard? In that regard. Well, anytime you have a quarterback in the class, like Mm -hmm. that's one of the top candidates. But actively talking, like Cam Cam talks to Drake Bowen a lot. Yeah. Cam Williams talks to Drake Bowen a lot and just kind of like his ideas on, you know, how he goes about. That was like the first one. Cam Williams left the Irish invasion. The first person he was tweeting texting with was Drake Bowen. That's awesome. On, and that was like on the road back home. Like he, he didn't even wait until he got home. Like they were talking on the way back. So, mm-hmm. and Cam is all over. He's important because look at the guys he's up talking to. Relationship yeah. with Ryan Wingo. Oh yeah. Great relationship with Justin Scott. Oh yeah. Quite possibly two of the most important recruits in the 24 class. Up there. Yeah. So right now, if I had to cast my vote, I would probably cast it for Cam Williams right now. 
being that leader? I I think it's two for me. Cam's one. Yeah. CJ Carr's the other. Like yeah, we talked about, right? Yeah, he's the quarterback. He's the ring yeah. leader. He's yeah. the the tone setter. Whatever word terminology you want to use for that. Every cliche in the book. Yeah. And he's on campus very very often. Makes yeah. that two and a half hour drive to mm-hmm. South Bend. He shows his face. He's very engaging, young man. Him and Cam, I think the personalities are what separates them, right? Yeah. In a vacuum, quarterback, yes, of course. But CJ is a very engaging young man, and Cam Williams is a very, very engaging young man. Those guys, yeah. they have a, a they have a, a energy about them that you yeah. just kind of buy into a little bit, right? So to your question, Archer, I would also agree with Sean. Cam Williams is definitely one. CJ Carr is the other. Those are the yeah. two guys that like Jack Larson talks, right? Like he's a really good, he's a really good player, top 50 player rated on two, four, seven, really good tight end out of Charlotte Catholic, but he's not like vocal, vocal, like those two are right. Like those guys are kind of the vocal leaders of this class. Brandon Davis Swain is a little vocal too, but like, I would still say it's CJ and Cam for me. Like those are and the guys. Then once again, geographically, it's a lot easier for Drake, CJ and Cam to be leaders and get to campus consistently, be at all the games. They're just closer mm-hmm. than Jack Larson, who's out there in North Carolina. And it will be a little bit more difficult for him to get to campus and be more involved on game days and things That's like that. That's a great point. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah, because we, we know that Drake is so active because he can just get to campus whenever he wants, right? Yeah. CJ gets on campus all the time. Cam gets on campus all the time. They are geographically in a spot where they can do that, Sean. So that's a great point. I didn't even, I didn't even mention that. That was a really, really good point there. So let's go to next one from Anthony Solomon. He said, Recruiting is where it starts, but the development of players translate to on-field success is crucial. And I just want to pull up this comment because – Agree, Anthony. Like it, this is this is the starting point, right? The starting point is getting the talent in the door. From there, it's your coaches, it's your support staff, it's the strength conditioning coach, Matt Bayless, who's done a great job during his career at Notre Dame. All those things need to work together to get the most out of your players. A hundred percent agree. There are some players on this roster right now, especially pertaining to the twenty twenty two group, that Notre Dame's coaches are not getting the most out of their talents. Like that's not a secret, right? We know this. We know this. So I just wanted to pull up because I agree with you 100%. Notre Dame not only needs to have the acquisition of talent, they also need the development of talent. That also matters, obviously. That's more important. Well, not more important. If you don't have the talent, you can't develop the talent. But it is equally as important to develop the talent as it is to acquire the talent, Sean. All right. So let's go now. Great, great, uh, great comment, by the way, Anthony. Just wanted to pull that one up again. All right. So wanted to talk about this too, Sean, because we've already talked about this intently, but I just want to kind of end the conversation here on this question. So Doug Hampton said, how are the incoming wide receivers supposed to feel when the leading receiver is the tight end? Doug, again, I think there's a growth mindset with a lot of players in the 2023 class for Notre Dame. I don't think Jaden Greathouse cares that Michael Mayer is the leading receiver. I'll put it like this. With Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores and Braylon James and like those dudes, right? They are so confident in their abilities that even if Michael Mayer was on the team in 2023, let's say, for some reason, I don't know why that would ever happen, but even if Michael Mayer was on the team in 2023, yeah. Jaden Greathouse would still think he'd be leading the team in, in receptions and yards. Like that's that's how that's how they feel about themselves, Sean. I think Braylon James thinks that way. 
think Rico Flores feels that way. I think Jane Greathouse feels that way. I think they think like, who cares who's leading the team in the receiving yards now? I know it's going to be me when I get there. You know, like that's what they think, I think. They don't care. That's my – they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. That's like blood is in the water with this wide receiver core 23. They smell it. Like, yo, we're going to get targets. That's Mm – once again, the 23 class is all about change. They feel like they're the class to change everything. The way things are done, the way things are operated, the narratives, Notre Dame doesn't have enough speed. Okay. Here we come. And when they get here, they're going to have to show it. That's it, man. You got to yep. prove it now. To your point, got to prove it. Coaches got to do the best job to put these guys in position. Archer asks again, what kind of results does Marcus Freeman need to produce the season and keep an elite two, 2024 class and build another elite class in 2025? Do you think that there's a season result, Sean? I mean, we're sitting at three and three here right now for Notre Dame. Do you think he needs to go seven and five? Eight and four, does he need to go on a massive run? Like, do you think it matters, I guess is the question. As far as this season or, like, the seasons to come? I, th- I think it's I think it's about this season. Okay. To momentum to 2024, excuse me, and then 2025. I think this season is probably more impactful to 24, in my opinion. Because the team's going to get better. That's just my opinion. The team's going to get better. So 25 would take care of itself because you'll see improvements. This season is a little bit more impactful for 24 because most of the 24 kids are going to make their commitments in the spring of 23 going into the summer. Mm -hmm. And by that time, it's, I mean, look, I fully expect them to go in with like 20 commits in 24. Yep. 20 to commits and maybe have like three to five on the table and then trying to close a deal on. So this season is more about 24, in my opinion, moving forward and impacting that. I think they'll be yep. better next year. So 25 will kind of take care of itself. I, th- I think that in the, the short term here, Archer, because I agree, Sean, like this matters more for the 2024 class right now than it does 2025 like it's still a long way until it get there right yeah but i would say this that for me this season is already looked at as a failure if you're notre dame if you went nine and three it's below the standard right the standard that we always talk about i think that some people i'm not saying it's a hundred percent what it should be right but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to give Marcus Freeman a pass on this season. If it's a disappointing one and they're going to say, you know, let's see what you're building, right? Let's see what you've deprogrammed. Let's see what 2023 looks like. So to this question, Archer, I think 2023 is more important as a wide scope, right? Cause you're not going to get passes two years in a row. You shouldn't get a pass for one year. If I'm being honest, you shouldn't, but 
there are circumstances. Your quarterback gets hurt, yada, 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 brand new coaching staff, all that stuff, right? Like all that stuff's a part of the equation. But I think that 2023 season, there's nowhere to hide, man. Like if Notre Dame comes out and they underperform again, sirens start going off and recruiting takes a huge question at that point, right? So I think this offseason building to 2023 is going to be very important for Marcus Freeman. I think it's a sort of a make or break at that point. So Unfortunately, this is not like uh, buying a home or selling a home. And Mm -hmm. when you sell it, you go to the utility company and make sure that the account is closed. That's not the way college football works. The Mm -hmm. account is still running. Like some of the same kids carry over to the next head coach and the next regime. And if you, I agree with you, Marcus Freeman does not get a pass, but he shouldn't get a pass on the things that should be accounted to him. Right. Mm -hmm. The things that we're seeing that should not be accounted to him, in my opinion, undisciplined play, horrible penalties, poor tackling specifically at certain positions. We've seen that the last two years and Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now we have to dig deeper and ask ourselves, okay, what's at the core of this? Because this has been the case. If Jack Cohn was the quarterback this year, Notre Dame is probably five and one. Yep. Even with the way they have played, they're probably still five and one because Mm -hmm. they would have had a guy that will make plays in fourth quarters against Marshall and against Stanford. Yep. They'd be five and one, but it will be masking the bigger issue. So when Marcus Freeman tells the media today, I'm not trying to build upon what Brian Kelly did. I'm trying to build something anew. He's trying to tell you, look, Harry Heastan told us, relax when it comes to Alt and when it comes to Blake Fisher. Because I have to tear some things down before I start building. They're young. Give me some time. And eventually they can become what we all think they can become. But there's still some residue. From what was. If there was no Jack Cone, you lose to Toledo. If there's no Jack Cone, you lose on the road to Virginia Tech. And Lord knows, you probably lose to Purdue at home if there's no Jack Cone. Like, let's not sit here and act like Notre Dame played so well last year to get the 10 wins. They didn't. There were some games in there that were saved. So some of the same issues. We're seeing, and you just don't have an offensive-minded coach that when things are going wrong can scream up and say, yo, this is what we need to go to. Tommy Reese doesn't have that anymore mm-hmm. with Brian Kelly on the field. Your head coach is a defensive-minded coach. And regardless of what you feel about the defense, they've held every opponent at least eight points under their scoring average. We can nitpick about the linebackers. We can nitpick about Isaiah Foskey, Brandon Joseph. We can nitpick all we want to. At the end of the day, 
the defense has played well enough to win every single game they've played. Every single game. But yes. the yeah. mental errors, the penalties, and they're coming from leaders, not youngsters. No. They're coming from leaders. But these are some of the same things that we've seen time and time again at the end of the Kelly era. So it's not just, oh, Marcus Freeman. No, this is something has to be solved that has been there. Mm-hmm. Consistently. And so that's the bigger issue. It's like this year is really not about wins and losses for me at this point. It's like, man, we have to figure out what's at the what's at what's wrong with the foundation? What's really going on? Yeah. Because we're trying to coach them and they're still not getting across. So what is it? It's it's a much bigger issue. Yeah. And I wanted to pull up this real quick, Sean, just to just to answer real quick. Sean Kelly said, why why should he get a pass? He inherited a team that was 11-1. He didn't take over a dumpster fire. Sean, I didn't say he should get a pass. I didn't. In fact, I said that he cool. shouldn't get a pass, right? Like it's I said that. Probably account to him. Yes. What is his fault? Right. Undisciplined play is not just his fault. They were undisciplined under Brian Kelly for the past two seasons. And just because they had 10 wins, don't – this is the problem. It, it's 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 what Brian talks about all the time. It's the process versus – Empty calories, yo. Yeah. Yeah. Empty calories. Were you a 10-win team, legitimate national title contender, or were you just a 10-win team that barely won some games that you had no business with them – Toledo had no business coming into Notre Dame Stadium playing a close game. Is that not the same thing we're seeing with Marshall and Stanford? Notre Dame had no business playing a close game against Florida State last year. Mm -hmm. We got to stop. It's bigger than Marcus Freeman, but stop. For some reason, this program has not done the job and has been undisciplined and has not performed up to the level of the expectations of the talent on the roster. And it just didn't start this year. So let's not play that game just because they're three and three. The record masked who they were. Yeah. Last year. Why, why, why did they come short in so many big games? Because they weren't, Good enough. They weren't good enough. And we're doing this thing now where it's like, oh, well, Brian Kelly would have done this. Who cares? Brian Kelly isn't here anymore for one. And for two, Brian Kelly wasn't going to win anything anyway. Like, no. what, what, what? We're mad because Marcus Freeman lost against Marshall. I get it, man. I have pride in Notre Dame as well. I have pride as much as anybody. But who cares? Who cares? If Brian Kelly wasn't in taking him to the championship, then it, then a change should have made been made either way. I'm not saying Marcus Freeman's the guy. Maybe he's not, but like, what? I just, I don't know. I don't know why we're the, why we're like, oh, well, I wish we could go back to Kelly. Like, no, no. Yeah, but the, the no. problem is bigger. I think, I'm keep, we keep it a hundred. I think Brian Kelly recognized that the issue was bigger. Yeah. 
And I think he fully recognized what he had left or what was coming back at the quarterback position. I think he recognized, like, you know what? I've gotten it to his apex. This is a slow decline, and I'm holding on just to be able to win 10 games. Like, do you know how much of a grind it was for Notre Dame to have that season they had last year? And if Jack Cohn doesn't transfer in, that could have been that season last year could have been really bad. Really bad. You put Drew Pine behind that offensive line last year. Yep. And see what happens. Yep. For a full season. Yep. It's like we're kidding ourselves, man. Being happy about the fact, oh, they went to an MY6 and we won these games. Go look at the games individually and tell me when Notre Dame played a full complete game that you were happy about not the outcome I'm talking about what you saw or you felt like yeah this team played up to expectations it's just it's so frustrating man it really is and again like this isn't a a, and Sean I I completely understand what you're saying I hope you didn't take this as like an attack I really I really hope not it was not what the intentions were I just wanted to like like dispel it right because I didn't say he should get a pass all I'm saying is I said that Marcus Freeman needs to be I mean held accountable your record is what it is right like there are three and three football team right now it's not good enough everyone knows that all I'm saying is is that why do we have to take it back to Brian Kelly. And I know you didn't necessarily do that, but you did say he inherited 11-1 football team. So like, you're like, Oh, Brian Kelly did better. And like, I just think that that's so flawed, right? Like, I just think that Vicky is so flawed. Cause to your point, empty calories, right, Sean, who cares if Brian Kelly took them to 11 and one last year, we know that in the big game, they would have gotten destroyed. They were not a good football team last year. So you, well, you want, you want Notre Dame, like Notre Dame's not a good football team this year. You want them to go eleven and one? Okay, yeah. cool. What did eleven and one get you? They're not. They're still not good. It's yeah. they're still not good. You can yeah. dress a pig as pretty as you want, but it's still a pig, man. It's not good right now. Needs to get better. Let's give them a little bring, bit of time. Can you bring up Archer's comment? Because yeah. if I'm going to be quoted, to, I direct, be quoted. directing to you, directing to yeah. you. I want to be okay. quoted directly. All right, let me read it first, and I'll let you go. All right, so Archer said, Sean, you were talking about uh, TB12, Tyler Buckner being the Heisman conversation, and Notre Dame making the playoffs in the preseason. Let's not get too revisionist history with BK leaving because of a lack of talent. First of all, I never said TB12 was a Heisman candidate. That's not what I said. You need to go watch the show. I said any quarterback at Notre Dame that wins big games will be in the Heisman candidate. Because they're the quarterback at Notre Dame. Those were my words. Tyler Buckner happened to be the starting quarterback. It wasn't because of him. It was because of the fact that Notre Dame in this weak schedule, you mean, I don't care what you say, the schedule is weak. Ohio State is the only team they play that has more talent than them. The only team. The only team. And I felt like that the leaders, once again, the leadership that was coming back on this team would be strong enough to be able to win close games in the fourth quarter and hold on. I never called Notre Dame a national title contender. Never. Did I say they had a chance to make the playoff? Yes. Because the schedule is soft. And they have more talent than everybody on their schedule. 
we we, we all we all we all said the same thing here too. Oh, who like, said I, I was on the same. BK left because of a lack of talent. Mm-hmm. BK left because the infrastructure was bad. His coaches were bad. He made bad hires, and he couldn't recruit the quarterback position. Tyler Buckner, his. Drew Pine, his. And if he doesn't get a savior in Jack Cone, he would have been six and six, seven and five in his last year. I wasn't fooled. I knew exactly who they were. But even in that, they still are bet name the team that they've lost to that they're not better than from a talent standpoint. Name them. Name them. And you can put in, if Jeff Sims, just using Jeff Sims, if Jeff Sims comes here next year from Georgia Tech and his name is starting quarterback in Notre Dame and wins 11 games, he'll be in the Heisman race. You know why? Because it's Notre Dame. Yeah, I, th- I think just to kind of take this full circle, Sean, I believe the conversation originally was like, hey, if Notre Dame makes a title run or they make the playoff run, it's probably because Tyler Buckner was really good, right? Like that was that was the conversation. Was the conversation. And, and to your point, like they're going to be in the co- like if if you're on a court if you're on a quarterback on a playoff team who's had good numbers, then you're probably in that conversation, right? Not saying you're going to win it, but like, right? I mean, makes sense. Makes well, sense. No yeah. So. Tyler Buckner was going to be in the Heisman conversation like it was a done deal. No. If Notre Dame is going to the playoffs, that would mean Tyler Buckner will have beaten two of the three. We said this. Either he has beaten Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. He's beaten two of those teams. We were very clear. No one said, oh, he's going to win the Heisman. Mm -hmm. Or being Heisman just, just because he's Tyler Buckner. No. If Notre Dame gets to the playoffs and win these games because they have a better talent base, then the only questionable talent gap would be what? Clemson, Ohio State? Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, USC. I guess you can make USC argument at certain spots. Yeah. I mean, no, no. Yeah. Full roster, Notre Dame has better talent than USC. I don't disagree. Full, full I don't disagree with that. They do. I don't disagree. They just do. You know what they don't have? They don't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a big time quarterback. And there's no one that knew what Tyler Buckner was going to be either way. We didn't know. We were waiting to see like everyone else. But we did know that if Notre Dame won two of the three big games, he would be in the Heisman conversation. Mm-hmm. Point blank period to it. And I feel a lot, expect, I see a lot of people. What's did, you that? Expect, did you expect Hendon Hooker to be in the Heisman conversation? Mm, production-wise? Production-wise? What's that? No, I'm just saying, with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young coming back, 
Yeah, I mean, they were they were they were the clear front runners. They were the runners. I, I thought Hendon was going to put up numbers, but like yeah. you know, with the team success he's had, that's obviously going to help him a lot, right? Like I didn't think that they'd be sitting undefeated just being Alabama in the preseason, right? Like I didn't okay. think that. Yeah, you just, no. you just answered my question. You said with the team success. Oh, that matters in Heisman voting. It shouldn't always, but it matters 100%. Yeah, it does. does. You know, so, and then that can open up Pandora's box and people are like, well, he has Josh Heupel. I totally agree. I totally agree. But like, like I said, let's keep everything. And like Ryan said, I didn't take this as an attack. I just wanted yeah. to make sure that my words were not misconstrued correctly. Yeah. Totally get it. Yep. And I don't think you were disrespectful in any, any way. Like I don't. I and I don't think Archer was disrespectful in this comment. Archer, like you're a valued no. member of the, of this chat, right? Like I'm just saying that, you know, we're just you know making making sure we're maintaining like, exactly no, what we're saying. Is we're not using BK as an excuse for this year's team, which goes back to what we said. Properly allocate what should be allocated to Marcus Freeman. And then understand what has been happening in this program. If you choose to turn a blind eye to what has been happening just because you were able to win games, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I was irritated that we beat Toledo. I don't know how you felt, Ryan. I mean, I didn't feel good about it. <laughs> this oh, is what it is. I'm like... not, dude, Toledo walked yeah. in here and had a fourth quarter lead. No, I'm not happy with that. No. We're you know, like, everybody knew that 11-1 was such a mirage last year, man. Like, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. Dude, you know, you know that Virginia Tech program was in bad shape last year. And even, even worse now, too. Even worse now. <laughs> yep. And we were down double, almost double digits in the fourth quarter. To a program in shambles. Come on, we got to be real, man. We got to open our eyes to everything. Oh man! Now, now people in the chat, and that's still <sighs> going on. Now people in the chat are saying that the defense isn't good, guys. I, I, I look. It's super easy and hyperbolic in here. Okay, it is. I understand it. All right. Notre Dame still held Ohio State to twenty-one points. The best performance the defense has had against Ohio State in years, years. But we're going to act like the defense is the problem. Look, look, there's some coaching issues right now. No doubt and the offense is terrible. Like, let's call it what it is, right? We can look at those things and say, yes, the defense has been mismanaged at points, but there's still a good defense. Like, come on now. Come on now. Like, let's please stop. Please stop. Let's get back to the comments, though, Sean. Let's get back to it. I just, I can't, man, it's just. We can say stuff that's real, right? Like the real stuff right now is that I have concerns over the coaching staff. I do. I do. I have concerns there. The offense is not nearly good enough. It's not nearly good enough. Play calling isn't good enough. Quarterback isn't good enough. All those things are true. But the defense is not the issue this year, man. Like it's not. It's not the issue. But we're acting like it stinks. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's go. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right. The five, Burkhart. Boys, is it Don 100% committed? Talked about this a little bit. Just wanted to kind of comment a little more on this. So I've talked to people close to it, Don, including himself. Mm. Look, anytime a big program offers or calls you, you listen, right? You listen out of respect. 
Adon and his family are very respectful. There's no doubt. I am not worried about it. I'm not. Mm. I'm not. I, I think I'll have a little more on this in the future at boards.irishbreakdown.com. But I do think that Adon is very committed to Notre Dame. I do. Yes. Yes, at this point. So thank you for the question, though. All right, Sean, let's go here. Hunter Land asked, do you think a part of the new culture, especially to recruiting, is having leaders in the class like Bowen on Twitter with Carr with Twitter and um, and that hoodie he wore? Uh, Sean, what do you think? I guess let, let me take it from a different angle because I think this is what the question is asking. How much, how, impo- how much important do you think is the social media aspect of recruiting, seeing guys say like, you know, 100% committed, throwing the shamrocks out, rocking hoodies, doing all that type of stuff. How important is the is the Twitter space and social media outlet, out, outlet for them? Well, if you came in late, you know, you guys are catching up with us now. Make sure you check out the beginning of the show where we had Christian Gray's mom, Shonda Gray, on. And this goes ties in right with this question because she talked about the importance of social media and how she had to be connected to the coaches that were following Christian and who he was following and have communications with. So it's vitally important, not just for the kids, but it's vitally important for the parents. And I'll go a step further, right? When you talk about parents, there was a 2023 target uh, that Notre Dame is no longer in on. Their parents were laughing at the Notre Dame score after the game on social media. So it's very important. Like everyone's connected. Everyone's connected. So having Drake, CJ, Cam, I don't know, this little inside joke they have going from this past weekend between Drake, CJ, and Cam and other recruits, like referring to each other as sons and and all of that stuff. Like I don't know what it is, but it's funny to them. They're having a ball with it. They started with it on Saturday, and they're still going with it today. And that's the camaraderie and the family atmosphere that's being built in the 23 class and the 24 class. And social media is a part of that. It's a huge part of it. I will say this, though. There is nothing more important than texting when it comes to recruits. The text threads. That's where the relationship between Adon, Peyton, Eli Bowen, even Drake Bowen and Christian Gray. That's, and it used to be Keon Keeney, part of that text thread as well. So texting is probably a little bit above social media, but social media has its place. And having guys like Drake and CJ are definitely an important call in making sure that both of those classes have success. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it matters. It 100% matters, to your point. The interaction just in general is like the over-encompassing. Like that stuff matters. Like the camaraderie between the recruits, the commits, all that good stuff. Yeah. Sean, um, Kelly just put, Sean, that I just want to respond quickly to this. I think that what was Ohio State's worst game of the year, my opinion. Sean, Sean, there's a reason that it was the worst game of the year. Did Ohio State have some self-inflicting things a part of that game? Sure. Did Notre, does Notre Dame deserve credit for the performance, though? Yeah, absolutely they do, man. Like, come on now. What, what we're going to say, Ohio State just had an off day. It's all. It's just an off day. Notre Dame doesn't get any credit for that? Yeah. Come on, it's man. It's amazing. Look at, let's, go, let's look at the dichotomy of this team, right? Every offense faces Notre Dame and has their worst output 
of the season. Everyone they play, all six teams. The offenses for these teams then go explode on everybody else. The defenses of those teams face Notre Dame. And then immediately, except for Ohio State, the other five teams face Notre Dame. The Notre Dame offense doesn't produce. And then the next week, they'll go give up 52 to an Arkansas team that's been struggling at home. Notre Dame only put up 28. Arkansas comes into Provo and puts up a 50 spot. And you tell me, you want to you want to nitpick with the defense? There's a reason why these things are happening and going in opposite directions on opposite sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can talk about Cam Hart struggling. We can talk about Clarence Lewis has been better than last year. Yes. Right? If Jaden Mickey doesn't make two monumental mistakes on two plays, most people will say, yo, Jaden Mickey's had a really good gift for a freshman. Benjamin Morrison, really good year for a freshman. Very Tariq good, yep. Gracie has been a stud. You see, if you had any thought who the most important player on the Notre Dame defense was, you saw it on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. From a schematic standpoint and just making plays, Tariq Bracey is huge yep. to that defense. Sure is. Sure so, is. Yep. Uh, um, I mean, I had a thought that I wanted to say, Sean, but I completely forget, man. My mind is getting scrambled in this chat. Are you right going to talk about, I know you were going to talk about the Ohio State offense. Uh, man, I mean, I mean, look, man, it, it's it's never one sided, right? Did Ohio State have a little bit of an off day? Sure, were there some self inflicted things? Sure, but we don't give them any credit for holding Ohio State to twenty one points and having one of their worst yard outputs in years. Like we don't give them any credit for that. We don't give Notre Dame any credit for that. Uh-huh. Like has Notre Dame's defense been perfect this year? No. Have they been good enough to win every football game? Yes, they certainly have. They certainly have. Defense for Notre Dame is not the problem. And it hasn't been for a bit, a bit if we're being honest. Like, even thinking back to like the 2018 game against Clemson, Sean, defense ran out of steam, man, because eventually they're going to make some plays and your offense couldn't do anything that day. Couldn't do anything. That's. I, Can you imagine? I, let's just let's give context, right? Let's take the Stanford game. Right. Yep. Let's take it. If Notre Dame comes out, does what it's supposed to do, puts Audric Estime in the backfield and runs power, throws some crossing routes, actually comes in with effective things that would go against that Stanford defense that was putting eight nine in the box, taking shots down the field with its best players, like fifteen. Because you saw they had Braden Lindsey wide open on the post early. Missed him. Lorenzo got behind the defender. The defender held his, his right arm, and he was forced to try and make a catch with one hand. Opportunity was there. 
if the offense does anything and causes Stanford to have to move away from his game plan at all, that's when you see the poorest offensive line get exposed by Stanford. Because now the defensive line can come after Tanner McKee. But the offense not doing its job never afforded the defense the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Didn't. You saw how the game changed when they made Jaron Hall play from behind. Make the BYU offense play from behind. And look what happened. Ryan Day spent three quarters, Ryan, banging his head against the wall. You know why? Because his arrogant self wanted to prove that his quarterback and his wide receivers could be better than the Notre Dame defense. Yep. And when push came to shove, what was he forced to do to be successful? Mm-hmm. Run the ball. Yep. And I see I see a bunch of comments in the chat. I just want to hit on a couple points. I blocked the LSU fan that came in here for one. Look, guys, is the Marcus Freeman the guy? I don't know. You know who I know isn't the guy, though, and won't be the guy in, in in Louisiana? It's Brian Kelly. So who cares? Let them live in their five and two fantasy world. Have fun with that, guys. And uh, I see a lot of talk about Michigan right now, too. So just want to say that uh, we should we should we should chill on the Michigan talk because right now Michigan is a good football team and they're winning football games, right? And Michigan is a better team than Notre Dame right now. So can we just Leave Michigan alone, especially we're, we're not going to attack Antoine in the chat because uh, Antoine is good people and he is a very respectful member of this chat. Yeah, so can we please, uh, can we Twan, please chill on the Michigan talk? Antoine, I'm happy for your squad. It's about time. Yep. Because Harbaugh was, has been underwhelming, and even you know that since yep. his time there. So, so I'm happy for him. Yep. I, I just don't want to start throwing people out of the chat because, again – Antoine is respected in our community. We're going to leave it that way. If not, uh, people will get pushed out. So, yeah, Antoine, good, good. Uh, congrats on Michigan start, man. Look good. They look good. All right, so let's go to next question. <laughs> like this one, Sean. We're going to bring this one to you. Do you think sure. you could use Edon as a wildcat in short yardage red zone at Notre Dame? Back to some positivity for a second. For people that didn't listen to the first part of this show or the second segment of the show, Adon had 10 carries for 239 yards this past week. Look, man. Adon Schuler and Wildcat in short yards, specifically inside the 10. There's a far better option than a jet sweep to Jaden Thomas or a screen pass to Michael Mayer. I just want to point out in two consecutive weeks what was drawn up in that position on the field. Absolutely. I would take, you know what? I'm sure we have run, I'm sure Logan Diggs can run Wildcat on the goal line. Heck, I'm sure Chris Tyree can run Wildcat on the goal line. Irishman, you might have just given the coaching staff an idea. In the <laughs> Thank you for coming up with that. Thank you. Because uh, I'm sure there are players a little bit more shifty than our stiff big guy in the wide receiver room running a jet sweep from the two-yard line. 
Yes, I think you're right. Yes. He, he can run some Wildcat. Uh, Micah Bell can run some Wildcat. Peyton yes. Bowen can run some Wildcat. There's a lot of yes. guys who can run a little Wildcat in this side. Yes. Shane Greathouse could probably be a Wildcat quarterback if he felt like he could do everything else that he wants. So, yes. Salty said, Sean, as Shonda said, it's quite possible that an offensive coordinator coach will not be there for the next four years. Christian has had a new position head coach every year. Does it matter? Right. So, I, I just want to pull this up because Salty – I think it's good perspective, right? We heard it directly from the parents. Uh-huh. It's not only about who the coach is. It's about the program. It's about the faith. It's about a lot of other factors. So just wanted to pull that one up because I think it was a good comment. And uh, if you didn't hear the Shonda, Shonda Gray interview, you should go back to the beginning of the show because it was a great conversation. A lot of positivity. Yeah. I like the chat right now. A lot yeah. of positivity. All right. We're going to go to Captain Dipstick. Next season, Charles Jagasaw. Love the name. Lovely. Next season, Charles Jagasaw and Rocco Spindler slash Billy Shrout at the right side. Alt Fisher on the left. Best young offensive line. Oh, so so in his in his world, Sean, he's saying that we're moving we're moving Blake Fisher to left guard. It's happening here. I'm assuming. That's and right. <laughs> Joe Walt's going to left tackle, and he's got a uh, he's got it. Rocco Shrout on the right side with Charles Jagasaw at right tackle. I guess in, in his world, that's that's not happening. Now, if you want to move. Fisher inside, and I think yeah. that's that's what he's uh, alluding to. Yeah, I think you it, the the bigger possibility would be Emil Wagner at right tackle with Blake Fisher inside, because Harry Heastan is not starting Charles Jagasaw from day one. Mm-hmm. That's that's just not what Harry Heastan does. Yeah. It's very, it's very that. rare that that happens just in yeah. general at Notre Dame. I mean, we've talked about it, right? Like Robert Haynes, he was a part-time platooner at right yeah. tackle his freshman year. Right. Ryan Harris was a guy that started as a true freshman at Notre Dame many moons ago. And Blake Fisher started a game, but that was also not under Harry Heastand. Neither was right. Ryan Harris. So right. that doesn't happen too often, right, yeah. to your point, Sean. So, And technically – Robert Hainsey didn't start that game. He was rotating in, but it yeah. was uh, it was Tommy Kramer that started at right tackle yeah. for that team for half of the starts that year. So, yeah. yes, to your points. And uh, I think Charles Jackson, I think, could be in the conversation of the guard battle next year, but I don't think the right, a right tackle battle. Now, yeah, future-wise, Charles will have every opportunity to play tackle at Notre Dame, but I don't think initially in 2023 he'll have that opportunity. Yeah. All right, going back to Archer, Archer said, Shrian, where do you think the 2023 class finishes in the composite ranking, both points and ranking? Points, Archer, uh, I'd have to do a little bit of math for it, just kind of look. But ranking-wise, Sean, I still think they're a clear top five class as long as they maintain everyone. And I thought that there's still a couple guys that are still going to kind of trickle in. So I still think they have the potential of being a top three to four class, but I think top five is still very, very much on the table. Personally, uh, For me, it all comes down to what they're able to do with the quarterback position. Yeah. That's going to be if, interesting. If they get flip an Avery Johnson or a Jackson Arnold or somebody like that, or even like a Kenny mentioned, they're top three, in my opinion with the talent they have at the skill positions. And maybe if they can bring in somebody else, uh, you know, the Pimpa thing is pretty, in my opinion, I, I think he's going to Georgia, but, you know, he'll be in town November 5th. So they'll have an opportunity yep. to show them, show him what they have. But 
you know, if they flip a really good quarterback and, you know, maybe add another piece or two to the class, top five is locked up. Yeah, I think top five is locked up because I do anticipate getting a quarterback in a class. Yeah, I would be very surprised. If if they didn't get a top five class, I would be very, very surprised to your points. From Demetrius Rex, super chat. Demetrius, appreciate you. Can we depend on freshman wide receivers getting PT next year, Sean? Of course, it's because it's because of the Tobias Merriweather thing, right? He only played a couple snaps, had a 41-yard touchdown, hasn't played a ton. Can we depend on Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores to come in and Braylon James and compete for reps early on, Sean? This goes back to what we talked about last week, right? I think two of those three guys are early enrollees. So as early enrollees, they have they will have a better I, I believe shot. I believe all three of them are enrolling early, okay. if I remember well, then, correctly. They'll have a better shot than Tobias to get on the field early. That that's that's a good point because people don't talk about that enough, right? Should Tobias Merriweather be playing more? Yes. I think we saw that on Saturday, right? Should he have been playing more since the beginning of the season? Yes. I think yes. we saw that on Saturday, right? Right. But he was a he didn't get here until the fall or until the summer, I should say, until summer workouts and all that type of stuff. So I do believe that Tobias would have a much heavier opportunity to play early because what we know for a fact is is that there are a couple defensive backs in Notre Dame right now that are true freshmen that are playing a lot of football, right? I know that's on the defensive side of the ball versus the offensive side of the ball, but we also know that Jadarian Price was going to play a lot if he did not get injured. He was going to play a lot. Yeah. And that's on the offensive side of the football. I think if Tobias came in in the in the spring, yeah. then he would have had an opportunity to play a lot more. But I mean, either way, Demetrius, like I, I think that they still think that they're going to have a chance to. Should we look? It has to happen, right? Like it has to happen for actuality for us to believe it at this point. But I do think that there is a little bit of context to what Sean's saying as far as like, hey, if Tobias Earl uh, rolled early, maybe it'd be a little different. But like to your point, there's going to be skepticism until it happens, Demetrius. So, thank yeah. you for the super chat, though. And does, doesn't it? If I'm not mistaken, you take the screen to really see mm-hmm. what you have, which is why younger players have an opportunity to really make an impression during the spring if they come in early, right? And their first impression is the work they put in with Matt Bayless, because Matt Bayless is going back and talking to the staff like, "Yo." This kid is working his tail off. Yep. Like, this kid is working his tail off. And then you go into the spring, you make a further impression. When you get to – look, you can say what you want to. Marcus Freeman said all the coach talk. Fall camp was all about Ohio State. They can say what mm-hmm. they want to play. Mm-hmm. Everything they did was built around getting ready for Ohio State. And when you get to that point – I don't know how many opportunities you really have, Ryan, as a freshman just coming on the field, trying to learn everything to really pop right. and make that impression like you would during the spring coming out of strength training. So it's difficult. It can be done. Yeah. And he definitely – I mean, Benjamin I mean, Morrison did it, right, yeah. to your point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he didn't start as, as in the first couple games, but he's slowly gotten that starting role, right? Yeah. I mean, I will say this. I think there's a a clear balance to it, right? It's like, should he be playing more? Absolutely. Yeah. Is it understandable to a degree? Yes. But I would also say that to Demetrius's point, right, Benjamin Morrison eventually got that opportunity a lot earlier than Tobias has gotten that opportunity. So there's definitely an offense versus defense thing, but 
just over encompassing. I think there is there's layers to the conversation. I think like I don't think it's just one note, but yes, Tobias Merriweather should be playing more. Like there's no doubt. Like no in, one your, in your opinion, if in my opinion, oh yes, in my no, opinion, he should be playing more. No, no. In in your opinion, if mm-hmm. they get and I'm forecasting, does mm-hmm. the quarterback change? how the wide receivers are used. Like, cause I mean, they get a big time transfer in at quarterback that has a big arm. Maybe, I mean, it's a lot that goes into it. So when you ask that question as of today, yeah, yeah, we understand, but there are a lot of things that can move, a lot of moving parts that could happen that could like change a lot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's it's something where, I mean, and this is in theory, right? Mm-hmm. Good coaches change with what they have, right? right? So, I mean, if a wide receiver, if you have a lot of vertically oriented wide receivers, you want to run a lot of vertically oriented routes, right? Like that, that makes sense for guys that. And this is my this is my frustration with what we saw this past week is that I mean, again, I said it on the post game show. I felt like Notre Dame's offensive game plan was centered around. Stanford's offensive players. <laughs> like, that's what it seemed like to me, man. It was like, you don't have speed. I'm just like, people have this like preconceived notion that Notre Dame doesn't have speed. And I just think it's how they're used that makes it look like they don't have speed. I don't think it's actuality of what they have as talent. So it's just, it's very frustrating. Very frustrating. But the Atrius, again, appreciate you so much for the super chat. Also appreciate Larry Friedel who threw in, will more recruits leave if Tommy Reese leaves or if Tommy Reese stays, Sean? That's an interesting one. I don't really want to speculate on it too much. Just an interesting thing to think about whether a coaching change offensively will cause players to leave the class or cause people to rethink. I think it's a, a nuanced conversation, one that I'm not ready to have because it's not a reality. If this becomes a reality, then we'll have the conversation, Larry. But I just wanted to bring your question up because it is an interesting thing to think about for people out there. Rob Tidoff said, Ryan and Sean, in your opinion, what did you miscalculate the most about the 2022 Notre Dame program? This one's an interesting, Sean. What is the biggest – I mean, my miscalculation, I would say, is I thought that what we saw at Oklahoma State as far as the creativity of Notre Dame's offense was going to be more what we saw in 2022. That is not what we have seen so far. Right. And I think that there is definitely like Tyler Buckner getting hurts. And there's like a couple things that wide receivers not playing consistent football. Like there's some things that are holding the offense back from a player perspective right now. But I also think that there's a lot of that the coach is holding back right now, too. Right. Right. So I think that for me, it was I thought the offense was going to be a little more creative. Like I thought it was. That was my big miscommunication miscalculations. I thought it was just going to be a little I think I thought it was going to be a little more explosive and a little more creative offensively. And to that, I'll say this: it might have been unfair to to have that right. Um, young OC, um, his previous experience was under his mentor, 
And the truth be told, we know for a fact that the mentor would take the reins during games down on the field when he saw certain things or would suggest this is what we need to go to on this next series or this is what we need to do. So this is his first time having total autonomy and it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle to say the least. Um, my biggest, my uh, biggest miscalculation was the leaders. Jared Patterson, Isaiah Foskey, all the guys that came back and the impact I thought they would have. I'm not seeing it. Yeah, there's not, there's no juice with them right now, man. No no way. Through six games, I would think Isaiah Foskey would have been this average in his play, and Jared Patterson would make so many bonehead mistakes as a fifth year captain. Sean, I would I would have honestly thought that Isaiah Foskey hadn't played on Saturday if I was yeah. just like not looking out for him, you know? Like yeah. it was just very frustrating. Yeah. That's a good one, man. I think the leadership has not been what it needs to be from a team perspective as well. Like to your point, we talked about I mean, I talked about this in the preseason. I talked about it in in the season so far as well. I'm not sure what players of cuz like hey, Bo Bauer brought some juice, right? Like, he brings that juice. Michael Mayer brings the juice in his own way. But there's not, like, consistent guys across the roster right now where I'm like, that's the dude, right? Like, that's the tone setter. That's the guy. All of them have qualities of it. Like, Jason Adamalola has a lot of good to that conversation. But I don't see a guy right now where I'm just like, man, that's the guy, right? Like, that's the dude. That's, that's like, when a big play matters, he's making it. Aside from Michael Mayer. Like, I don't, I don't see that guy. Like I just don't, right? Throw Brandon Joseph in there. Even, I mean, even he's been quiet though. He's been quiet. It's just, yeah. Ryan, I look, this is not space jam, man. Where you say, yo, who stole the superpowers of all of these NBA guys? Like, no, there's no alien team that came down. You know, and all of a sudden stole the gifts, the gifts and talents of an Isaiah Foskey or you know any other great player in Notre Dame. It's like, what's causing you guys to play? What what has changed? What are you being asked? Like, what's different? That would be my question. Like, if I'm standing in front of those guys right now, like, what's different? Because you guys have to be. Like NFL guys still watch his tape and see what they loved. So where's the production? Where is it? Like you flash it every now and then, and then I have to ask the question, Ryan. I know people don't want to hear it. Have you yep. have you gone into survivor mode? Where there's no chance in a national championship, no chance at a college football playoff. Now you're just trying to stay healthy. <sighs> I mean, I don't want to speculate on it because I don't know. Hey, but. I didn't want you to say it, but I'll say it. Yeah. Because I don't see the juice in the effort. Like, when you start telling me you don't see the juice in the effort, it's like, wait a minute. Sean, it was it was such a weird occurrence, too, because I'm not, I'm not trying to just poop all over Isaiah Foskey. I'm not. But you were they were down Walter Rouse in the game. They moved Miles Hinton from right tackle to left tackle in his absence, and you had a backup – right tackle in the game and your defensive edge pressure was just invisible, man. Like it was just, wasn't there. It was weird. 
It was weird. And you had a couple of defensive linemen that I thought stepped up to a degree, right? Like, I thought Chris Smith played a pretty good game. I thought Riley Mills had a really good game, actually. Like, I thought he had a nice game. Gabriel Rubio had a couple flash plays. But Fosky, who's that? Gabriel Rubio battle. He won some, he lost them. And Nana played a solid game. Like, he did. It was just – your impact players did not make impact on Saturday, man. Like, that just comes down to it. Like, that's what – that's what we saw, and defensively especially, like, Jason Amalola gets injured. So, like, I'll throw him out of this conversation, right? Like, that's unfortunate. Like, nothing we can do about that, right? Foskey didn't make a play. Brendan yeah. Joseph didn't make a play. Cam Hart didn't make a play. Like, that's just the point-blank period to it. And, again, was it good enough to win? Yeah, they only got 16 points, but, like, still, it, it, it still wasn't the best performance. Like, the guys yeah. still didn't come to play, man. Yeah. Just didn't. So, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Oh, man, we're going back to Saturday night, Sean. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. We're still talking about this right now, man. Ugh, yuck. I need to move past it, but, yeah, it was – uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. Throwing this over to uh, D-R-P-P-X-Y underscore boy underscore Cam 23. There you go. That's, that's the screen name. Do you think Dylan Edwards will be Chris Tyree 2.0? No, I think that he will be what people maybe thought that – I want to make a good comp here. I don't want to force a comp. I, he He's what maybe people thought CJ Sanders could have been. Maybe. Is that not bad? Like, I don't know. CJ Sanders was kind of like that dynamic slot return man that could do a little bit of things, right? I, I That's more Dylan Sanders' role. He's not a true running back, so he's not going to be Chris Tyree. He's going to be more moving chess piece slot receiver. Also return punts, kicks types of guy, right? Like, that's what I see yeah. with Dylan. Um, I said this and I almost got hit upside the head if I could, if it could be done through the computer by my, by my God. My vision is to have him be used more. Once again, the operative word is used. Used, I would love to see him used in the form of a Percy Harvey. Yeah, I would like to. I would give him some snaps out the backfield. Percy Harvin's a good one. That's a good one. I, like I would give him some snaps out the back backfield. I would give him some wildcat. I would slot just sweep sure. reverses. Like, yo, whatever. Get the ball in his hands. Special teams, what everything. Get the ball in his hands. Yep. That's 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 it. He has no position. Just get the ball in his hands. Line him up wherever and get the ball to him. Yep. You can use them in so many different ways, man. Jet sweeps yep. in the in some running game in the backfield. You can use yep. them as a as a RPO player, screen game. You can do a lot of things with Don Edwards. Excited yep. that he's in the classroom. I love, I love to go to what you said. Mm-hmm. It makes me jealous just thinking about Percy Harvin and watching the Alabama game. Alabama can just the game is so simple, Ryan. Like it's third and two. Alabama can line up tight, have all the linebackers inside, and just throw a swing past the Gibbs. Here, just outrun everybody. Just they can't stop you. Just outrun everybody to the sticks. And it's like when you get that type of explosion from players, just simplify the game. Just here, go make a play mm-hmm. because you can't. Agree, agree. Gonna go to D Rock Irish. D Rock, what up? 
Question, is the Notre Dame-UNLV game only on Peacock this weekend? So I want to answer this one real quick. Yes, this is the Peacock game this year, sir. So get your Peacock while you can. I think Peacock is going to be upset about the viewership on that game. <laughs> I know, man. They should have fought harder for a different game than that one. Oh. But that's, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Especially a three and three Notre Dame team playing UNLV. Like, ooh, man. All right. Next question from Demetrius Rex again. Sean and Brian, do you feel like the defensive line has regressed from last year? They feel like a non factor against bad offensive lines. I think certain players have regressed. Sure. I mean, because I, th- I think it's a mix, right? Yeah. I think that Isaiah Foskey has not played as well as we would have anticipated. Jason and Malola has been a little up and down, but there's been spouts of good from Jason. There has. Howard Cross, I think, took a huge step forward this year. I think that he's been very good. Riley Mills, I think, has taken a step forward. So, to me, just like I think there's parts of it that have been been good. I think there's parts of it that have stepped up. But to your regression question, I think there's a couple players that you expected more of that have regressed slightly. Like, that's what I think it is. Parts of it is yes. Parts of it is no for me. I agree with you totally. You hit the nail on the head. Um, but you have seen guys like, uh, Gabriel Rubio get opportunity. Gabriel Rubio was made some really good plays early in the North Carolina game. You know, he struggled against BYU a little bit. Uh, they battled this last game against Stanford. You see Riley Mills continue to get better, right? Whether they play him inside or outside. Uh, Nana with more reps is getting better. Like early in the season, you were like, oh, no, but this last two games, Nana made the big play on the third down. Um, that last series to stop BYU, and that allowed Jason Adamiola to come and make the fourth down stop. So Nana's starting to make plays, and that's what you're seeing, right? And at this point, with what we're talking about, Ryan, when we have felt underwhelmed mm-hmm. by those top guys looking towards the program being built, Riley Mills, Nana, and all those younger guys that will be here next year. And, you know, the guys coming after them, you, you like seeing their success and their growth. So that's something to continue to look for in upcoming games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Only got two more left here. Great questions. We had a super chat come in. Sean from Ty Fallen, who said, do you think the Stanford team looked um, looked at the game more as a rivalry than Notre Dame did? That's interesting. I mean – Yes, maybe. I mean, Sean, because like you got to think, man, st- for Stanford, going to Notre Dame and beating Notre Dame is a massive thing, right? Like that was a big boost to their program. They hadn't want- beaten a Power 5 team in a year and a half, right? Like over a year. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I have to think that that was a big, big opportunity for them. And I think that they definitely came in with a lot more juice in this football game than Notre Dame did. So I I, I think I agree, TJ. Yeah, I think I agree. Uh, as much as we talked about David Shaw, whether or not he would be on the hot seat, because we fully expected that Notre Dame would kind of thrash Stanford, you have to give kudos to him and his coaching staff coming off of that just dramatic and gut-wrenching loss that they had at home where they had a game one, they allowed it to slip away late. They threw that game away, and they came in and competed. But I will say this. It was funny rewatching the game. David Shaw had a smirk on his face and laughed multiple times all game. It was literally like they knew exactly the predictability of the offense and defense in Notre Dame. And they said to themselves, 
if we don't make mistakes and give them the ball, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be successful with it, and we can win this game. And they did exactly that. They did exactly that. And the fact that they can walk in with a vanilla game plan on both sides of the ball and be successful is an even bigger issue when you're talking about a coordinator from the coordinator's uh, point of view. That's a huge issue. When they, and it goes back to the scan offense. Like, what are we scanning? We got a run play and a pass play from this formation. If you see this, we're checking it is. You don't have to look to the sideline. <laughs> this is the play. If it's eight in the box, we're going to throw it outside. Yep. And seven in the box, we're going to run it. But it seemed like every time, whatever they check to, Stanford would communicate. Man, anytime you have a DB chase down, Braden Lindsey from behind mm-hmm. with a running start, it's like, okay, something's wrong. Something's like we're tipping, showing our hand from a formational standpoint. There's something that's alerting the opposition to what's coming. Got to be better. Yep. Well said, sir. Well said. TJ, again, appreciate the question. Sean, we had this one. Josh P said he's had some elite questions that have gone unanswered. So here you go, Josh. Here's here's one for you, buddy. Appreciate you. Of the offensive line holes in the last two years, 2022, which was Shrouth, no more Joni Tanona, unfortunately, Emil Wagner, Ty Chan, and Ashton Craig. And 2023, which as of right now is Charles Jagasaw, Sullivan Absher, Sam Pendleton and Joe Odding, Sean. He wants us to make a starting five out of these two classes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let's go left to right here, okay? Let's talk mm-hmm. this out. Who's your left tackle of that group? It's got to be Emil, right? Got to be. Wait a minute. So we're putting the, the starting starting offensive line together. St- starting five. The starting five? Yeah. My left tackle, you know what? Depending upon – Cause he's, I'm telling you, man. I saw this dude fold a couple of. He's not even at his full weight yet, and yeah. I saw him fold some some defensive linemen that get reps, consistent rep in practice. Yeah. So I yeah, you could go, you could go Wagner, and then uh, you go Wagner, Schroff, Zeke probably stays at center. No, they just want just out of the 2022 and 2023 class, oh, Sean. So you got to put your center. center. Yeah. My, my, my bad. That is definitely yeah. a real Wagner. Yes. Definitely a real Wagner. I yep. have to tell you who's intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Ty Chan is, he's a big kid. He's a big kid, man. He's a big kid. I saw him in person. I was like, oh, he looks like a junior yeah. in college. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's a big kid. So I'm very interested in his development and how he comes along. So I would say, Ralph, um, your guy. I'm very intrigued by Sam Pendleton. Oh, you like Sam? Yeah, yeah. I am. Big boy. He's a big boy, man. (laughs) What you just said, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. (laughs) So, like, you put him on the interior? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I have to throw my boy Jackson on there just because that's my guy. 
That's my guy. So I'm going Wagner. Uh-huh. Wagner, Shroud, Pendleton, uh, Jagasaw. That's four, right? Yep. So you need another interior guy, whether you're a center or guard, depending on how you're moving this around. You want me to do mine real quick, and then I'll let you give time to ponder? Are you ready? Yeah, you go, yeah go ahead. I have to think right. about this last one. Go ahead. Left tackle is Emil Wagner. Easy mm-hmm. money. Easy money out of this. Yeah. Left guard. It's actually going to be Sullivan Absher. That's going to be my left guard. Center is going to be Billy Shrouth. Putting Shrouth at center. Oh, center. Okay. Right guard, Ty Chan. Mm. Right tackle, Charles Jagasaw. Yeah. It's mine. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I didn't even think about Shrouth the center. I really like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's in the cards for him, but like. When was the last time we had a big body at center? I mean, Jared Patterson is a pretty big body. Pretty big yeah, body. but it's been what? Before that? Um, injured. Mostly before that, it was Mustafer for a long time. He's a yeah, Mustafer's not a big kid. He's a little bit He's smaller. Um, trying to think, man. I think, I mean, Braxton Cave was a pretty big kid. Yeah, he Cave was. was pretty big. Yeah, he was. He was, he guy. was. Hmm. Good question, Josh P. Yeah, no, it was a great question. Really it was a great question. question. Yeah, really good question. Yep. So, all right. So then we're going to move to the last question of the day, which is again from Grady Carson. Sorry if this hasn't been has been asked already. It hasn't. How many of the 2023 commits are planning on enrolling early? So, Sean, we did this a week ago or two weeks ago. I can't remember. So let's yeah. roll through this quick. Yeah. Running backs, Jeremiah Love is planning to enroll early. Know this. Jaden Lamar is playing the role early, to my knowledge. Wide receivers, we already talked about it. Believe Rico, Jaden Greathouse, and Braylon James are all planning to enroll early. um, Not sure about Dylan Edwards. Not sure. I'm also not sure 100% about Cooper Flanagan. I'll get back to you on that one. Not sure. Offensive line-wise, I believe Pendleton, Absher are yeses. I believe you told me before that Jagasaw is a yes, if I remember correctly. Okay. Odding is up in the air. I'm not 100% sure about that one. I'll check in with his mom, though, and get you guys some insight into that one. Defensive line-wise, Brandon Vernon cannot with the mentor rules, unfortunately. Bubikar Traore, I'm not sure about. Devin Houston, I'm not sure about. So defensive line-wise, not 100% in on that department. Linebacker-wise, I believe Osbury is. Drake Bowen was a yes, I think, right? Or no? Do you remember? Who was that again? Drake. Oh, yeah, Drake. Wait, Drake? Drake will enroll. I just talked to Drake yesterday. Yeah, I'm Drake. an idiot. Yeah, yeah. No, he's Drake would enroll today yeah. if his yeah. high school season was done. Right? Yeah, I know. I know. He, 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 I actually was literally just texting him. He's like, I can't wait to get there in January. I'm an idiot. Dude, yeah, he's he, yeah, he's a rolling early. I'll tell you, he is locked. Like, he's already – no, this is how locked in he is. When was it? He was there for a visit over the summer. Mm-hmm. No, it was for the first game. Was that Marshall? Mm-hmm. I was talking to him on the phone. And no, no, I'm sorry, guys. I messed this up. Drake Bourne was there for the blue and gold game. And I'm talking to him on the phone. Like while he's there that Sunday, everyone else had gone home. He was still on campus 
And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm watching the Notre Dame basketball game. I think it was like one of the tournament games. And I'm like, oh, he was watching the baseball game. It was something he was watching as far as Notre Dame sports. And I'm like, why are you still on campus? And he's like, oh, I'm here working out. I had Coach Bayless give me a workout regimen that I'm going to be going over to get me ready for January. This is like, this is how locked in this kid is. Like he's telling me I'm in the workout center. Coach Bayless gave me, you know, kind of like an outline for a workout and I'm working out to get ready for January. This is back in like the spring. Like this kid is like, he's like on another level, Ryan. Like his readiness and his high school team is kind of on a roll now. So he's going for that back-to-back double. He's already won back-to-back baseball championships. Now he's looking for the back-to-back football state championships to end his high school career. They started out 0-2. Now they're on the roll with him and Pat Clax. And it's soon, man, I can't even properly convey how ready he is to be a student at Notre Dame. (laughs) I love it, man. I love it. I, I I can't spend enough time talking good things about Drake Bowen, man. Like I can't I can't do it. Preston Zinter, not hundred percent sure about. Micah Bell, yes. Christian Gray, yes. Adon Schuler, yes. First player to ever graduate early from Irvington, and I believe Peyton Bowen is a yes as well. So, large portion of this class, Sean, right now, the twenty three commits are in really enrollees, man. Like I, I would say it's about 80 something percent of them are going to be enrolled early without doing the, the easy math here. So great question though. Grady, appreciate you again. Thank you all so much. So that's going to end it for the mailbag of the day, Sean. I appreciate everyone out there. If you, before you leave, do not leave yet. Do not leave yet. Hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell, share this podcast, tell your friends, tell your friends. If you think we're cool, that'd be great. Five-star reviews are very much appreciated. You can go to Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. They all do ratings at this point. This is the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour. I am Ryan Roberts. This is Sean Davis. want to thank you all so much. Six o'clock tonight will be IB Nation Sports Talk, where Sean Styers and Vince Dario will take you a little bit more of an absolute scope of Notre Dame football. And then at 8 o'clock, we'll be doing upon further review as well tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Thank you all so much. Appreciate you all for joining the Irish Breakdown podcast.